We're going to start off kind of where we've been a couple of times this week. It's about that protest that was on Sunday. And I told you Monday I got lit up with calls uh, from folks in the police department uh, alerting me that the sergeant who was working the scene, and by all accounts from everything I saw, doing a good job, defused the situation, uh, upset the brass of the police department, maybe City Hall, uh, for not arresting this gentleman who had a gun, and he was relieved of duty, had his gun, his badge stripped from him, and um, and it caused a little bit of an uproar. Well, there is more to the story. Let's uh, got T.J. Wilhelm with us. T.J., welcome to the show. Thank you, Sheriff. Thank you for having me. All right, T.J., so a lot has happened since Monday, and uh, there's some folks with the emergency response team that are not too happy with the way that this all went down. Can you tell us what you've learned? Yeah, what we're learning um, here today is that uh, as many as 17 members of what is referred to as the ERT or emergency response team, the, the layperson would recognize these people as, you know, back in several years ago, we'd consider them riot officers or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, officers who are trained uh, to deal with um, large public disturbances. Well, 17 of them have resigned, and it's all um, surrounding um, what we have learned that uh, one of the sergeants, um, a sergeant of, who was in charge of one of those teams um, has been placed on leave uh, because he did not detain an individual who had a, a long rifle um, near what, what was this protest on Sunday near the convention center. So upset about that, 17 of them resigned. This team initially had 45 officers um, in it. Um, and so now um, there's 17 short of that today, and, and we're learning, too, that um, it, it's not just frontline officers inside the emergency response team. It's also a sergeant, lieutenant, who have also resigned from the team as well. And this was a direct result of how that sergeant was treated? Yes, that's what we're being told by, by the union. Um, and I had an um, interview with Chief Harold Medina a couple hours ago. Um, he acknowledged that that's why they resigned, um, and he acknowledged that they he met with every single one of them, and they didn't agree with uh, the stance that the chain of command has taken. Now, I, I will say this, you know, over the years, um, we have seen, whether it's members of the, the SWAT team, tactical teams, or ERT teams, have resigned um, due to controversial issues like this, especially when politics come into play. Um, and so I think that's what we're seeing here um, once again, um, in the history of the Albuquerque Police Department. Okay. Um, was there anything specifically about this sergeant being told to uh, detain and cite this person uh, by the brass? So what we were told by Chief Medina was that a his lieutenant had given him an order to detain uh, this individual who is carrying a rifle so that detectives could were, were, could then arrive on scene. And the chief tells us that detectives were en route and the detectives were supposed to get there, find out what was going on, and determine whether or not there are charges should be applied or should not be applied and how to handle the situation. Well, the sergeant went ahead and let that individual go and was, was gone before the detectives showed up on scene. We talked to Sean Willoughby, the president of the police union, and he told us, 
that the sergeant was trying to defuse a situation. There were a hundred or so protesters who were converging in on this individual's location, and the sergeant made the decision that the safest thing to do was to let that individual go. So the sergeant was that day placed on administrative leave, his gun, badge, taken away from him. And within 24 hours, um, uh, Chief Medina tells us that he reviewed the lapel video and made the decision to not keep him on leave and to reinstate him. Now, when we asked initially what changed, Chief Medina told us that at first they thought or they were concerned that this officer was giving preferential treatment to to this man who was carrying a rifle um, because he might have agreed with his political views. That's whoa, whoa, why but wait a second. that whoa, whoa, but TJ, I, th- I think this is the point that we have to interject. It's not illegal in New Mexico. While we don't advise it, uh, and we don't, we, when we criticize it, what that man was doing was not illegal. Sure, and 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 in terms of carrying a gun, um, yes, you know we are an open carry state, and this has been a topic that has been very much debated. If you remember back in the summer, I believe I was on your show yeah. talking to you about how individuals who showed up at a protest at Civic Plaza were were arrested um, because they had firearms and the city had had considered civic plaza a school which under new mexico law yes you can carry a gun open carry but you can't take it onto school property right so those charges got dismissed there was actually a legal settlement involved in that particular case now what this man was charged with was not carrying a gun he was charged with child uh, neglect of a child or abandonment of a child because he had his children with him during this protest in which he carried a gun so apd is saying look you know yes we agree it is an open carry state but according to the criminal complaint and what chief medina told us today that this particular individual had his children with him and placed his children in a dangerous situation and chief medina even went as far as saying at one point they believe this individual was quote unquote trying to entice a riot um so this is something really going to be talked about there's a criminal complaint that was issued to this man, uh, protest. And you took yes. this criminal complaint to your legal expert and tell us what he said. Basically, the, the legal expert felt that, that this charge was on shaky ground, um, and it's undoubtedly going to be challenged in court. And the reason being is there are two issues at play. Um, one is we are an open carry state, like you, like you said, um, Sheriff. Uh, there's only certain areas where you cannot carry weapons, open carry, and that one of them being a school. Now, APD last summer was trying, after that shooting, if you remember, that occurred at the Enote statute, they were trying to crack down on protesters having guns. So they felt that Civic Plaza is a school because sometimes there's school activities there. So they charged two individuals with carrying a gun onto school premises. Those individuals were later not charged charges were dropped and they actually settled a lawsuit against the city so now our legal expert tells us in this particular case very similar near civic plaza wasn't quite on civic plaza um and they they charged him but in this case the charges abandonment or cruelty of a child and when we talked to chief medina he says look this has nothing to do with open carry this has everything to do with the child that's there so our legal expert looked at this, and he basically compared them charging this man with abandonment or cruelty to, char- to a child as if it was minority report 
or is it these officers are Tom Cruise and they basically are charging this individual with the crime before the crime was even committed. And so yeah. he believes that it's, it's highly likely that this charge will not hold up in court. Now, Chief Medina says, look, there's more information that's not in that criminal complaint that's going to come out um, dealing with this individual's actions um, at, at the particular protest and that his actions were enticing the protesters to surround him while he was there with a weapon and while he was there with his child. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a certainly an interesting legal debate. And you called it last summer. You know, I believe you had the opinion that that those those two individuals who were charged were going to sue and win, and you were right in that particular case. Yeah, yeah. and I think you're going to see that uh, here with Mr. Williams as well, because TJ, I think your expert is talking specifically when you say Minority Report, and I don't. And you know what? Um, I've got my disagreements with the chief. Look, he went out last week and he had a big press conference because the Proud Boys were supposed to be here uh, on Sunday, and, and you know and he shouldn't have done that. He's the chief of police. The mayor wants to do that. That's fine. But this is the problem now because it seems like he was trying to you know, make a political point. And here you got this guy now. That, and let me get to the point, TJ. The, the criminal complaint says that um, the police determined that danger was present for himself, his female companion, but moreover for the two minors. And here it is. A reasonable fear that the man would utilize the firearm in order to protect the children was seen as imminent. Where did that come yes. from? And and that's the point that John Day made when we interviewed him, and you'll see it tonight on Action 7 News at 5, is that, you know, he said, look, there was no imminent danger that he saw in the criminal complaint. So you're assuming that the imminent danger was going to happen or there was going to be violence or you're assuming that protesters in large numbers gathering around him is danger, um, you know, or him having a gun is danger. So it, it's really a fine line, what John Day said, to try to try to make that case. Yeah, well, and, and if that's the case, then let me make another suggestion to them. Dismiss this criminal complaint and, and issue another one, because this does not, this to me, is not meeting the, the standard for the elements of the crime. You're just saying, look, we had reasonable uh, fear that this man, you know, might use the firearm, hence, you know, this whole charge of cruelty and abandonment of a child. In a criminal complaint, you have to explain that and say what it is. The police report is a supporting document, but this is the charging document, and, and I can see why uh, your expert is a little kind of perplexed. At, it, it, it's kind of light. This thing is really light. And, and that very well could happen. I mean, certainly under New Mexico law, APD could come out and refile, drop this one, um, add more charges, and we could learn even more. And, you know, yeah. Chief Medina, when I interviewed him this morning, said there is more. There's more that's going to come out in the police report, and very, very likely we could see other charges uh, with this as well. So we've reached out to the district attorney's office about this case. We have not heard back from them. Um, on where they stand, and which is kind of interesting. And, and the thing to, to keep in mind, and I know we're going to get complicated here a little bit legally, is that they charged him with a violation of the city ordinance, which means right. the city attorney can prosecute them in metropolitan court, not necessarily the district attorney. So 
it'll be interesting if there are higher charges, then it will fall onto the district attorney's lap if more charges are, are to come. Oh, I'm sure the district attorney will be excited to hear that. Um, because, again, I, as I said, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it, as it, you point out um, and, and your expert points out, is that it just, to me, I've read more criminal complaints in my career than I, I care to mention. Uh, this, it, it, again, you know, like your expert said, it's like you're trying to foresee the future. But if there was something specific that he said or some action uh, on the part of this, the, the suspect in this case, what is it? And that's, that's a good question. It's it's not in the criminal complaint, and maybe that's something we'll find out later. Yeah. TJ, uh, how can our listeners see this report, uh, the full report, tonight? Absolutely. We're going to have two stories tonight on this topic. First, you're going to hear from our legal expert, John Day, about the legality of this charge on Action 7 News Live at 5. And then on Action 7 News, 9 and 10, 9 on the Justice Network, 10 o'clock on Channel 7, you'll see everything that's going on involving the sergeant who was put on leave and then not put on leave as well as the information about the 17 emergency response team officers who have since resigned from that team here tonight on action seven news at five nine and ten tj appreciate it very much uh we'll be watching uh appreciate you com- uh coming on and, and sharing uh pieces of your investigation with us this is good stuff thank you man Thank you, Sheriff. You have a good day. All right. That's T.J. Wilhelm, investigative producer for KOAT, KOAT Action 7 News. We're going to take a break. The phone lines are open at 243-3333. Let's get your reaction to this. I, I, I'm still really perplexed here. I got to tell you, this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. That didn't have to happen because of the way I see it, the sergeant took care of the situation. He diffused it. The guy went home. And now you've got a, 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 a 17, almost half, of our ERT team members quitting. Let's get to Ethan. Welcome. What do you think? Well, Darren, this is a very, very interesting case with a lot of moving parts. And I'll, I want to focus at least at first on the sergeant who was stripped of his badge and gun <clears throat> and then later reinstated. TJ said that that sergeant had been given a direct order by a lieutenant in the department to detain the gentleman with the gun. And he disobeyed, he, the sergeant, disobeyed that order. Well, I've never been a police officer, Darren, but I was in the military, and as an airman, if I had disobeyed a direct order from a lieutenant, that would not have gone well for me. And I think you can relate to that as uh, you were in the Army. Um, yes. What, is, is, does that, is that, I guess what I'm really getting at is, was that so wrong to place him on administrative leave, even if it was just temporarily, and then reinstate him for disobeying a direct order. Here's my take. Uh, this is a real interesting, and Ethan, I'm not sure that you picked up on this. You know, that when you say detained, right, the office, uh, if there's an old, if your sergeant walks over and says, arrest that man, you know, the old saying was, hand him your handcuffs and say, have at it, Sarge. Because an officer... Mm-hmm or a sergeant, has to make that call. You know, when you say, you know, you've got somebody back at a command post or you've got the, the chief up on the uh, the fifth floor saying, I want that guy arrested, I want him detained. Well, you know what? The, the, the You on the ground, as the sergeant or the officer, you have to make that call. You're there. Mm-hmm. 
and you know again you don't that's not that's that's not an order that you take from somebody because detaining somebody obviously you have a lot of civil rights type of questions you have to be concerned about uh and most importantly as i said you have a discretion that you you as the officer you know if there's a crime absolutely uh but don't mm-hmm. call me from from a command post and say you know i want that guy detained and cited uh my response right. to you is well if you want that come out here and do it i think what the sergeant did was the right thing uh i saw the video and again if there's something we're missing well the chief should make sure it's in the criminal complaint because even the so expert not- for tj for tj is saying this is kind of weak i hear you so the and and again i'm i want to i'm trying to focus more on that sergeant first so him by him disobeying this order from this lieutenant at least the way tj laid it out that was not necessarily uh, as serious as as if you disobeyed an order from a lieutenant in the military it's, you don't feel like that was enough to have him uh be stripped of his badge and gun temporarily i think that uh, again you have to take every situation you just say we uh, again, the order was, I want that guy detained. I'm also being told um, that he was supposed to be cited. Um, okay. And again, let that, let that, this is a sergeant. This is, um, as again, I'm not mentioning his name. He's a veteran. He's been on a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's trained in emergency response. He took the information that he had with him. He diffused the situation, Ethan, and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the interviews. No, the I guys, think, I want to be real clear, Darren. I don't think that that sergeant. That, that's why I'm I'm posing these more in the form of questions. Yeah, I actually, sure. don't think that APD handled this poorly. I think they actually handled it reasonably well. Um, you know, they they tried to get the guy out of there. He was the big problem. Let's get him out of there and try and uh, tamp down the the heated emotions that are going on in the crowd. That sounds uh, exactly. And Ethan, unless the chief and uh, the administration of the city wanted this guy to be made an example of, and if that's no, the case, that is, the sergeant's like, I ain't doing it. Right. And and there's a lot of I I I get the sense, Darren. There is a lot of example making going on in this case not just with that mm-hmm. sergeant whom i think you're right they did want to make an example out of him but they clearly want to make a big example out of this guy who showed up with the gun i mean they're going right. to try and concoct a lot of different charges a lot of them sound a little bit um you know they don't they're pretty vague and they don't sound like they're very concrete you know neglect of a child and well he may have been endangered if if this happened if a then b plus c had all happened then it would have been neglect so we're charging i mean that doesn't really pass the smell test even for me as ethan no it doesn't so um (laughs) i do think there's a lot of example making going on. i'm gonna say one last thing darren i'll let you go go ahead nope go ahead the 14 officers that resigned i uh, i that's probably the one area where i think that might be a bit of an overreaction on the part of those 14 officers I do think that they, you know, I understand where they're coming from. I understand that they are making a gesture based on principle. They didn't feel that it was right that the sergeant was harassed. But the sergeant was pretty quickly reinstated. And I wonder if maybe these uh, 14 officers maybe didn't uh, overreact a little bit and maybe jump the gun a little bit and resign uh, so quickly. Um, That's my only thought on that. But this is clearly, as I say, a lot of moving parts. And a lot of developments, it seems like tomorrow we'll have more information that might be completely different. 
Right. No, you're exactly exactly 100% correct. Let me say this. The um Ethan the the officers, they're out there. These are highly charged deals, right? These protests um mm-hmm. and, and so oh, yeah. uh, look and and they've gotten a lot of criticism the the police department for Onyate, the way they handled uh the downtown situation months back. Um mm-hmm. and, and so you go out there and you have a situation that let's face it it could have it could have been a lot worse you had somebody in this mr williams look he was just out there um you know again we've said this ethan don't bring the guns keep them home but it isn't illegal and uh you have a lot of officers who are sitting out there look we did a good job did we get a pat on the back no the the sergeant got a visit from the chief the deputy chief at his house and took his gun and his badge and if you want yeah. to talk about an overreaction, that's the overreaction. Because, you know, in my career, I can tell you as an administrator, I haven't taken a gun and badge from a cop too many times. It's happened, but not too many times. Because it's usually for very egregious behavior. It seems to me like somebody in the the, the upper echelon of the police department or the city uh, kind of got their pants in a wad because they wanted this guy to be made an example. And so they said, go to the sergeant's house, get his gun, get his badge, put him on leave, and then we'll sort this out. A- and then the chief realized, wait a second, um, maybe this isn't exact. Because, again, you see it on TV. This guy is doesn't appear uh, to be causing a giant problem. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, again, you know, he even says, I know that I can't go on Civic Plaza. I wasn't going to go on Civic Plaza. I was going to stand here right here on the street, uh, Ethan. So, and, and you, yeah. you know what it is? And we both agree that that was not the right thing to do. That, no. That was not the right thing. And I said that before that I had a last comment, but now I have a last comment there. Do you okay, think real all quick. of this... Real quick. Do you think all of this will spur the legislature to take up the matter of maybe making New Mexico Ooh. not an open oh. carry state. Because Interesting that point. Seems like uh, that would do away with a lot of these problems. Yeah, I, I don't want to get in Take the middle care, of that one. <laughs> thanks, Ethan. Boy, I'll tell you what. Thanks a lot, Ethan. Just drop that one on me right before you leave. I can, oh, let's just let's just remove open carry. Oh, my God, Ethan. Thanks. I thought you liked me. Bob, you're on News Radio KKOB. Welcome to the show, Bob. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How about yourself? Good. Uh, well, I listened yesterday and the day before, whatever, uh, when this guy was uh, removed from the area of the Civic Plaza, the police yes. violated his First Amendment rights. They didn't what? detain him at the spot and protect him. They took him off the street with his sign and his gun. That is a, they... uh, it's a violation. They took him away, but they didn't do anything about the counter-protesters on Civic an interesting part of it bob i will give you that because again i support the protesters right to be out there he was across the street um and you're absolutely right if you see the video it's the counter protesters that actually elevated the situation they're flipping them off i mean the tv had to to blur the guys flipping them off uh they're screaming and yelling at him it's a really good point bob i'm gonna give you that because it's one of the things i thought it's like well wait a second you are saying that this man, uh, you, you, and you thought that he was going to use his firearm 
uh, there was reasonable fear that he would use his firearm to protect his children. Um, and they also talk in the complaint about how, um, you know, it, it soon his open carrying of the rifle and handgun drew the attention of protesters. Well, he has a First Amendment right to be out there. And so why didn't you push the counter protesters back and say, give this guy, look, we, we don't agree with what he's doing. And first of all, that isn't even the police department's position. If there is, in fact, a situation that they are concerned about, that it could elevate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, Bob, you make a really good point. He drew their attention. Look, he was the only guy that showed up. That's part of the problem. They were expecting a bunch of Proud Boys to be there, and, and the counter-protesters showed up there, two, 300 of them. It, it says that there was about 100 of them that um, you know, then caught the attention of this of the of Williams, who has had his, you know, so I, guns matter, children matter, whatever his sign said. But that's a very good point, Bob. It's an excellent point. Uh, because, again, they didn't push them back and say, look, this guy's got a right to be here. He's not yelling. He's not screaming. He's not on Civic Plaza. And he has a free, he has, he has a free speech right to be there. And, you know, they started getting around him, and uh, I heard that woman yelling, you're escalating, she's screaming at the top of her lungs, you're escalating this, you're escalating, I'm like, he's just standing there, and again, I don't like guns injected into these protests, I don't, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a right to be there and do it, he does, under New Mexico law, and that's why I go back, look, I, it, it was getting heated. I support their decision to move him into the convention center, to talk to him and say, look, guy, we don't, this is really getting heated in here. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that was the decision. They diffused it. He agreed to leave. And, and, and what happens? Uh, uh, clearly, he irritated the brass for doing his job. Because I'm telling you right now, Chief Medina wanted this guy to be made an example of. And so how do you do that? Well, we, we sent out a tweet saying he was cited. Uh-oh, he wasn't. And I think that kind of upset them too. Because remember, it wasn't the sergeant that put out the tweet. It was the chief's office said he's been de- he was detained and cited. No, he hadn't been. And I think that pissed the chief off too. And now you have a real, real bad morale issue, which was really the, one of the jobs, again, because apparently Keller thought that Geyer uh, had destroyed the morale of the police department. And so bring in the number two guy. And, and now you've got a situation where these trained, highly trained emergency response team officers, uh, half of them quit. And if you don't think that the rest of the department is, is upset, you're, you're mistaken. Michael, you're on News Radio KKOB. Welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Darren. I basically, I, everybody's covered a lot of the different points of this so-called debate, and I have family and friends that are in the police department, and most of them are just waiting for their last year or two to get out. 
Uh, what I'm concerned about is more of probably of a human relationship question or uh, policy regarding they suspended the sergeant with you know removed him from his gun and his badge. Does that go mm-hmm. on his permanent record or was that expunged also? Well, it, it technically, Michael, it's not a suspension uh, because he didn't lose pay. Uh, but but I will say that it is a it's a very serious action. And I can tell you as an administrator, you don't take the gun and badge for something like this. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if they felt yeah. like there was a, uh, you know, he didn't follow the order. Okay, you can investigate him. Uh, but stripping yeah. him of his gun and his badge, that's usually something very egregious. Uh, what we would call gross misconduct. Uh, basically being charged with a, a serious crime or something. Uh, but my my sense is it will not. It's my hope that it will not. But um, you know, if there is some type of uh, you know, uh, it, you know, they it, they have it written up on their card, uh, you know, then I think the sergeant is within his right to get an attorney and go after the police department. I, I still think he should. I, I look. I, I'm not going to mince Mike. I'm not going to mince words here. I, I think this particular sergeant, for the way he was treated for doing his job. Uh, if I were him, I would be getting an attorney uh, a- a- and asking some serious questions about um, the conduct of the police department. Because, again, we're going back to what was said. And this is right from the chief, according to T.J. Wilhelm, is that he was given yeah. an order to detain this man. Well, you know, chief, get off your backside and you go do it. I'm the one that's out there. I have to investigate it. Because again, when you're doing, when you're detaining somebody, again, your your Fourth Amendment rights, all this stuff comes into play, and and so this this officer, this sergeant, excuse me, he's assessing this situation, and he has to make that determination whether there's enough there to detain this person. Not the chief, not a deputy chief, no one, but the person on scene, and he made the call. The situation was diffused. The guy decided to go home. Why has this become a problem? Because the chief made it a problem. That's it. The chief made it a problem. That didn't have to be a and, and you know, this one's on him. And then I go back to this to this to this question. Um and this is critically important. Uh you know, I get calling down and saying, I look, I, I we see this guy, we hear this. I'm sure people were calling. Um you know this, and I'm going back to a couple of days before the so-called Proud Boys protest. And I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys. And when I heard that there was some test or whatever they were going to do, and I was like, "Oh, great," because I knew some people would shoot their guns because they do. But that doesn't mean they they don't have a right to do that. They do. Uh, there are there are groups in this country that are vile, but they still have a right to speak their mind. Whether we like the content of their language or not, they still have a right to do it. Uh, but the, the chief and the mayor went out there and, and made statements before this even happened about the Proud Boys. And, and And again, it leads me to believe that's why I said it's like, here you got this guy. They don't know who he is. They think he's a Proud. They think he's the Proud. It wasn't the Proud Boys. It was the Proud Boy because there was only one of them. But he wasn't a Proud Boy, and he said that. 
And he said he supports BLM, Black Lives Matter. But he's also Second Amendment. But I don't think that was enough for the chief. I think he wanted to make an example out of this guy. And so the order came down to detain him. And the sergeant didn't. He did the right thing. And, you know, now it's a mess. Probably going to be a lawsuit. Uh, This criminal complaint that was written, uh, like T.J. Wilhelm said, uh, his uh, the expert that they use uh, said that this is it, it's it's like the Minority Report. It's basically saying, yeah, we are charging him because you know we uh, something we thought he might do down the road. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way, and uh, it, it's just becoming a mess, and it's very unfortunate. Uh, because again, these these things aren't going to go away. These protests aren't going to stop. And and you have uh, of these seventeen officers in ERT, um, you know this is special specialized training. Uh, they they get special equipment, and if something were to happen, we well, got seventeen tonight that won't show up. That could have taken action with their specialized training. But it, but but again, in protest, they have said, "Not for me." Jessica, you're on News Radio KKLB. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm okay. So, I'm calling because there was a meeting right after this incident in Civic Plaza where the chief pulled in other ERT teams and told them essentially that he. He will be utilizing the field officers for future protests without proper equipment if he has to because it's been done before and he'll do it again. And he, they won't be trained, they won't have equipment, but it doesn't matter. He'll utilize however many officers he needs for a future protest. Um, of course, it's concerning for a lot of police families right now when the chief is essentially threatening that I'm going to put you out there on the protest line without any equipment, without any training because it's been done before and I'll do it again. The respect for this chief has gone down to zero and the morale is non-existent. Pretty upsetting. Well, yeah, and Jessica, you without being specific, I I can it can I assume that you actually know somebody in the police department? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll just leave it right there, okay? <laughs> um when so um when this statement was made that I'll just pull officers off the, from the field and stick them in an ERT. Because, again, uh, Jessica, as we've said, the emergency response teams, they get, uh, first of all, a lot of specialized equipment, but even more important is a considerable amount of specialized training. Yeah. Exactly. He also said no, go ahead. he was going to take probationary officers and stick them in ERT as well which that's just a recipe for disaster. It is. No, there's no question about it. Uh, you, you made the statement um, that morale is, is, is basically non-existent. Uh, can, you, can you expand on that just a little bit? What, 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 what is it, the, the rank and file? What are they so upset about? Uh, well, we, we have known... Well, there's, there is a lot of officers who are under investigation for everything, everything and anything. And we've been told that um, that there's some city, city attorneys and people within 
the city um, who are forcing internal affairs to find more on each officer. Find more to, to ding them on. What can we write them up for? What can we fire them for? What can we relieve them of duty for? Because we've known some officers who are relieved of duty right now unjustly over something so minute you would you would laugh. Um, so it is it is scary. Officers have taken the approach that we're going to do the bare bones. We are going to not run code going anywhere within the city. We're going to abide by all laws and rules, just like every other city. We're going to drive right at the the um, the speed limit. We are going to take our time unless somebody's actively dying, and we'll get there when we get there. Because God forbid we break a law or do something, they'll come after us. And they're doing that to everybody. And so um, it's a really scary situation, uh, for the, not just the officers, for the families. The families are scared out of their minds. It's just um, it feels like they are attacking and finding ways to, to not only hurt officers as far as their internal affairs and so forth, but I would say almost trap officers. We've known some officers who try to go out of state and other places don't necessarily know what's going on here in Albuquerque, and they, they get scared, these other departments, and they say, whoa, I don't, I don't know if I want to deal with this and hire this officer, because look at their IA file. Even though the IA file, the internal affairs file, is really, got, you know, maybe very minute things that don't really mean anything, and they decide not to hire these officers, essentially trapping officers here in Albuquerque who maybe can't figure out a way to go elsewhere. And we've known that to happen, too. Yeah. And so uh, it, the, it kind of like begs the next question then, Jessica. Are you hearing that a lot of officers are considering uh, just leaving the department and going other places? Oh, absolutely. Not just to other departments, but just leaving law enforcement altogether. Just mm-hmm. finding other career, career fields. It's too stressful. It's not worth it. Um, we've also have heard of officers because of the qualified immunity thing who are discussing the possibility of the husband and wife or, or whoever the case is um, divorcing and putting everything in the wife's name. So that way, if lawsuits come by or just anything that happens, that they can try to go after the officer, but everything's in the now divorced wife's name. Um, officers are, are taking this seriously, this whole just the way the world is right now and trying to find ways to survive it. Yeah. Jessica, thank you so much. I appreciate you calling and sharing your thoughts with us and especially some of the feelings of the, of, of the troops, uh, the rank and file who are out there uh, doing the job every single day. I said this on Monday when this first came up. Uh, again, I had received a bunch of calls. And look, I get calls once in a while. Uh, I got a lot of friends that work in the police department, and, and I get calls once in a while. And, and, and I understand that because things happen and people get upset. But let me tell you, when I received the number of calls that I received on Monday, I knew something was really up. And, and I said this at, when we talked about it on Monday. This is the type of thing where some of these DRT, I, <laughs> roll the tape, that they would quit, that uh, they would feel like that. You know, and again, uh, I've been there. Trust me. I, I, I've gotten votes of no confidence. I've done things that I have upset the troops. 
And, and so I speak from, from knowledge, uh, and, and I get that. You know, but this particular situation, again, you say to yourself, why did this happen? Why is it that these, that, you know, they were called down and to detain this man? We want this man detained. Instead of saying to the sergeant, sergeant, we want you to deal with this. Okay, this guy's got a gun. Find out what his deal is. We don't want this escalating. We don't want it to be the mess that we created with Onyate. You remember that? That, that mess with Onyate that ended up with, with someone being shot? Remember that? And just in case you forgot, Chief Medina was number two. He was in charge of that deal. And so, um, yeah, I get it. I understand it. And uh, it's very unfortunate. It is. Because the one thing they, they, they want, the officers want you to, they want, do you have our back? Uh, and this is what happens. Look, I, I get, um, we should be concerned about this. This does not even talk. When I talk about the police department, when we talk about here, Jessica saying that the morale is low, you have the, um, the, the, the union president, Sean Willoughby, telling T.J. Wilham there is no morale. That's how bad it is. And, and you couple that with the fact that we have 34 homicides, uh, maybe 34, uh, could be even more than that. Uh, and, you know, and I, I saw a report recently again where the chief was blaming the coronavirus, COVID, for the spike uh, in homicides. Which again is just—it's just an excuse, because it doesn't. It, it, let's look at. Do you guys remember the coronavirus in 2019? Of course you don't, because it was March of 2020. There were 84 homicides in 2019. 84. There was no coronavirus, and now the chief is coming out and saying, "Oh, we've had 34. There's 34. The spike spike because of COVID." No, we are a violent city. We settle disputes with a gun and a knife. And we need our police department to be to have high morale, uh, to be out there. Like you, Jessica said, look, they're not even doing proactive policing because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble. And, and I'm going to tell you another thing as well. That's an issue. I had a buddy call me the other day. Uh, he got hit uh, by a car. And he called the non-emergency. He's like, ah, at least I'll call the non-emergency number. Because he knew the guy didn't have insurance. And again, after 10 minutes, he hung up. Because nobody answered. Nobody answered after 10 minutes. And let me tell you something. That's not the exception. That's the rule. Because there are so many calls for service that our officers are going call to call. They can't do proactive policing they're not able to do proactive policing and you heard jessica say oh my god they're not even going to do it anyway because they're afraid that if they do they'll get in trouble let's get back to the phone steve you're on news radio kkob welcome to the show hey how you doing darren good thanks Hey, I wanted to get on here and speak a little bit as a retired APD myself for many years. 
first uh, you and I have crossed paths before during your career back in the eighties and so forth. So, we oh, had okay, some time together. Thank you for your you service. You probably Steve. may not remember me, but I remember you just watching your progression through as you in your career. Thank you. I've been listening to you since you started your program, and like all good talk shows, I'd agree with some, disagreed with others, but it was always a good topic, usually. Mm -hmm. Today, I want to commend you, and I want you to take this and go as far as you can into it for the, the subject today, because without jeopardizing my job, what that lady, I think it was Jessica was her name? Jessica, just, yes. That's it. I'm telling you, she's got spot on. Yeah. All right. Because I'm still having contact with both active duty officers and cadets with this department, and I see mm -hmm. it. I'm a part of the training. Yep. So that w that woman hit it right on. I want to commend you for this topic today. Today, and since I've been listening to you, is the best damn program you've had. Oh, I Thanks, had to. Steve. <laughs> well, so you know, Steve, look. Yeah, no, it's right. <laughs> no, trust me, huh? you're okay on that one. Um, so, look, Stephen, so, uh, here's the yeah. deal, and, and and you're right because you've been out there, and if you were part of it in the '80s, uh, you know exactly what I'm saying. When we would joke around, like if a sergeant said, "Go arrest that guy," you'd hand him. The joke was always, "Hand him the handcuffs." You go arrest him yourself. Yeah. I don't know what he did. Yeah. You just don't do that. I agree, and just based on what we're hearing from the news, and I'm definitely going to be watching the Channel uh, 7's 5 and 10 program, that sergeant did the right thing based yep. on following the regulations and the and what they're being, having to do, excuse me, having to do. He yeah. did the right thing, and yeah. I commend those officers that in, want to back him because that would, I would probably be one of them if I worked with the sergeant that many of them feel that he's uh, – yeah. And he's uh, as good as they say. You bet you. I, I backed him 100%. You've got to take yeah. this with your and, and keep following this. Don't let up on this and let's put some pressure and get some things straightened out. Okay. Agreed. And thank Steve, you. I, 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 thank you. I, yep. And, and appreciate your service. Look, Steve, I got a call from somebody that said this sergeant, again, we're not naming him because he doesn't need to be named because he didn't do anything wrong. But somebody called me that, uh, that knows him and said, been on ERT. Not he's a sergeant now, but he was a member of ERT, ERT uh, oh, 15, 16 years ago. It's been something that he's done for a very, very long time. And again, it is something they volunteer to do, specialized training, specialized equipment. And, and do you know what that, that training, it really the heart of it? We had our own ERT teams when I was sheriff. Do you know what that, that training is? It's to diffuse a situation. It is to, to, to teach them the patience and the discipline because you will have people get in your face. Uh, we've all seen the pictures, and sometimes it's unpleasant. You know, and, and we, we joke around that you have, to, you have to take the crap. Sometimes you have to, you have to take some crap. And, and the old joke is you don't eat it, but you have to take it. You do. And that's what they're taught. And that's the type of people that you want on the ERT team. Somebody that's willing to take this guy and say, hey, man, you know, he's not breaking the law because he has open carry. But you say to him, look, dude, these guys, you know, this is becoming a problem because you're here, you have that gun, and you're the only, you're the only guy that's protesting. And so, of course, they're going to center on you. Would it be cool if you just, look, just left? 
The guy said, yeah. And how is he rewarded for using good judgment, assessing a situation and using good judgment and diffusing it? His deputy chief shows up at his door and takes his gun and his badge like he's some felon. And you're right, that's, that upsets me. Because all they had to do, look, if you felt like in this whole thing about, oh my God, they think there was favoritism. Favoritism? He's just doing his job. 